The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Hi, and welcome to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson, uh, in the show that gives you inspiration, insight, and intelligence in how to manage your life, and not just manage it, but hopefully master it for happiness and success. Uh, in the last show, we were talking about the limitations or the current limitations, if you will, of how we think and uh, the notion that I think, therefore I'm wrong, in the sense that thinking can be very simplistic. The binary brain um, just wants to make things simple for us, especially in busy and overwhelming world. And we were talking about being aware of that, the need to be aware of that, and how to change that. And one part of that sort of speaks to many of the questions that are relevant to what people might think of as spirituality. And so today we want to explore that relationship a bit more. So, Leah, what do you think of all that? <laughs> I think I, I think finally we're talking about something I really can dig my teeth into. <laughs> Just uh, I, I have been an executive coach and a life coach for over 25 years now. And I think one of the real differentiators in my practice has been my own spiritual um, beliefs. And in particular, um, my ability to talk to my clients about God and uh, that that helps exponentially move people forward in their growth um, because they they understand at just a really basic level that there's something just a little bit bigger than them that <laughs> that if they kind of took <laughs> that <laughs> yeah that if they took that into their decision making process uh, and how they think about what they're going to do next in their life that it really does change like their consideration of it is quite different than if they're just doing something for and of themselves. Yes, absolutely. And and, and one of the things that we, uh, we talked about in last week's show was how in busy, stressful lives, we, we really get into this bubble uh, and, and really try to simplify and need to simplify for all sorts of reasons, sort of a complex reality. And we're so tied up with our own reality in this very individual bubble that we just can't see outside it which has many limitations, not just on the thought process, but on the experience 
of life in, in general. And, uh, you know, the big question is, how do you escape that? How do you get out yeah. of that, that individualized bubble? I'm interested to, to know what people, when you're coaching them, when you address this issue of God, you know, how they react to that. Well, I love, first of all, I want to say I love your analogy of the bubble, um, because if you can picture yourself in a bubble and then, you know, three of your best friends in bubbles and maybe your wife in a bubble or your husband in a bubble and your kids all in their own bubbles and you're all bumping up against each other, but none of you are actually connecting. Like, mm. and, and so as we move through the world in these bubbles, it, we quite literally are apart from one another. And, and that is a very dangerous place to be. We've talked lots about what happens when people are in isolation um, throughout many of our shows, mm-hmm. about how our decision-making is affected, about how our wellness is affected when we are, are just trapped in these bubbles of, of um, often selfishness. And, not, and because we're operating from a place really uh, that is not from the higher, a higher state. So right. binary brain or or just, you know, simply that we haven't got the skills, insights, tools, awareness to understand that there is something bigger than us. But in my in my practice, basically how I approach um, the whole idea of spirituality with people is just to say, you know, religion aside, what what are your thoughts about God? And a lot of time people will just look at me blankly for, you know, and I'll wait it out <laughs> because I just because I want to hear what they actually think about it. And uh, they'll say, well, you know, I think there's something bigger than me, like a higher power or, and I say, well, okay, so higher power, great. Um, and so does your, like, what does your higher power look like? Like, what does your higher power do in your life? And often people will really have to think about that. And they'll go, well, that's, you know, for some people, the answer is, well, it's the person or the thing that I go to when I'm, you know, in most distress in my life. Um, some people will say, well, I pray every once in a while. Um, business guys will say, and I, because I work with a lot of men in executive coaching. And, and so as they mature uh, in, their, in their life, they, there's more recognition of God and how the business needs to become more morally intelligent in order to not implode. And so there's lots of room for God in discussion if somebody is brave enough to bring it up. <laughs> Which, of course, you are. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am. You know, I, yeah. Again, I really like this concept of, you know, this this bubble. We're so into ourselves. And, and for some people, that is in a very narcissistic way. In other, it's, hey, life is so busy. We've just got a, we've got 10, 100 million things to do, and I'm busy checking it off, and I'm a human, de- human doing rather than a human being. And that's the bubble. It doesn't allow us to look outside the very limited very limited expanse of our own world. And, you know, um, you know, I've had people who, who think they're important, <laughs> and I've said to them, oh, wait a minute, you think you're important? Um, 100 billion people have lived before you. Um, you live on a very small planet in a very small solar system in a very small galaxy. There must be millions and millions of other planets and galaxies, and you think you're important? Right. You are uh, as important as everybody else. <laughs> well, and, and, and here's where I come with that. What I say is, mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone's important. I think we can all have value to each other. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you say, yeah, I'm important, you're inflating that status. 
And again, you're stuck, I think, in, in rather your own bubble. You're just not seeing the bigger, bigger picture. And I think that when people talk about, when we talk about a higher power, that's what we're talking about, being able to get outside your own bubble and see, hey, there's something way bigger than you. Right. And, and I think that as we evolve in our understanding of spirituality, there's, you know, there's three levels of, of sort of how the world has broken spirituality out. And the first level is, you know, kind of living, living in the world and the earth of, and matter. And, and that, I think, is where you're talking about when people think of their importance or how important they are. And the second sort of level is more of the, it's like where transformation starts to happen and people start to have these revelations, just like we're having this conversation about people having awareness, even that there's this whole other, um, you know, idea of moral intelligence and how we can get out of that binary brain, which is very much first world. And, and then we're looking more at kind of what's our specialness and, and, we are special. There is special things about each person, and that is where God completely comes in on the third level. And it's talking about what are our uniquenesses, but understanding that everybody has uniquenesses, and that's what the, makes the world, um, you know, not a. It doesn't make it a paintbrush um, that has red paint on it. It doesn't make a paintbrush that just does a stroke. It's the thing that makes a Rembrandt, and mm-hmm. that at that third level where everyone's uniqueness and uniquenesses are equally celebrated and noted and and utilized for the for the greater good of all things that's when those rembrandts happen and that's the highest spiritual sort of state yeah and and when you you know let's we should perhaps recognize that uh, at least my view would be that you know the human race is a team and and really we're all here to serve each other um and if you take that position, then that certainly gets yourself out of your little bubble, hopefully. Um, it isn't even even funny how we use the term human race, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, race like, implies that there's well, some yeah, sort of competition. competition <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I give a talk in which I say, but the human race isn't a race. You know, it's a, it's a word thing. You know, it's where words mean different things. Yes. But yeah, you're right. The human race is not a race or should not be seen as a race although I think there are some people who see it as a race but you know that's not where I'm at and I, I don't think it's where you're at either um, and, that's and so the exciting part though of, it's like opening it's like when you become open um, to the idea of um, that and we talked about this in the last episode the idea that other people have this really um, as much to contribute as you do it yourself like that. So there's like this idea of um, very much coming together with all the good ideas and all of the, you know, making, making a masterpiece and that you're right. It's like this collaborative effort. That's not a race. Although sometimes people may be working harder at one time or another, because that's required. That's what is required for the group to experience a, you know, masterpiece or making a masterpiece together as people are aspiring to kind of open up their um, hearts and their heads to the idea of, um, well, how do I actually get a handle on what is this, you know, bigger power? What is, what does that mean? Uh, can you think of examples, Howard, of, of what, what that would actually mean? How would somebody recognize or what is God anyway? What does that mean? Oh, well, just ask me a simple question then. Yes, right? you know. That's right. <laughs> 
why not just start it off with a bang? <laughs> well, well, you know, obviously people have their own interpretations of God, and I think we want to, you know, make the distinction between organized religion and sacred conventions and um, spirituality that are going to can exist outside that. Um, but for me, it's, again, the starting point is a recognition that there is something greater than you, and actually there's something greater than human beings. It's not, you know, the, the thing that's greater than you is, you know, your next door neighbor. Um, you know, there is a different power, a different force um, that is quite different uh, that is, and hopefully should be humbling, mm-hmm. should be humbling to us, you know? Uh, because I can di- yeah. sorry, go ahead, Howard. Yeah, but I mean, you know, because human beings sort of quotation mark control the planet. I think we have a rather self-inflated view of uh, our powers and our capab- capabilities, really. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so when I think of examples, when people will say, "Well, what do you mean, God? What does that mean?" And there's it's sort of this ongoing argument: does God does God live in your head? Or does God live, you know, in the bigger universe? And mm-hmm. and I don't know that I have the answer to that. <laughs> However, as a as a young girl growing up, and even now as an adult, I'm sure lots of people can relate to this. I was very fortunate to have grown up in a farm, but I don't think it requires a farm. I think it just requires some, you know, green grass and a breeze. And mm-hmm. I was just fortunate enough to be able to, you know, lay down in a meadow, quite literally, of flowers that nobody planted. Nobody planted those flowers. Nobody came out with uh, landscaping tools. And, you know, the church didn't decide that it was going to be poppies and roses this year. And neither did my dad, who was a farmer. The meadow grew itself. And, and laying in the, you know, laying in the grass with the breeze blowing through the grass and all of the wildflowers in bloom and the butterflies um, floating, you know, through, you know, through the air and landing on these fronds, like just very gently landing on things and then flittering away, the birds chirping and beautiful sounds, you know, and, and so none of that and the smells also were just like absolutely amazing and changed at different times of the year. And I'm not talking about the smell of cattle. <laughs> Although there was that too, <laughs> there was that too. God is God has a sense of humor, uh, for and, sure. But, yeah, but that whole nobody created that like that. That so for mm. me, those uh, kind of experiences that that occur in nature uh, are are evidence to me that God exists outside yeah, of us. Right, and if we if we think about what we're trying to suggest here, that you get outside of your normal experience and you get outside of the bubble, then it is going to be things like that. It is going to be, you know, a wonderful sunset or, um, you know, a, a magnificent natural scene or anything in nature that you're suddenly going to wake up and say, oh, my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. I'd never seen that. How did that get there? It's incredible. You know, it it. it opens the way out of your bubble and, and certainly nature has the great capacity to do that and and also things that happen in our lives that we simply do not expect cannot anticipate cannot explain can also bring us out of our mindset our limited binary brain mindset say whoa what just happened how did that happen right and we need those experiences and I, you know I, I would think most people have had them we need those experiences to again pop out of our bubble and what we're doing right now and what's preoccupying us right in this present to suddenly see life 
and the universe and nature quite differently. Um, and, and, and some of those things are dramatic. You know, we had Bob Morello uh, on the show a, a couple months back, you know, and, and we've written that book in God's Waiting Room, which showed that in her coma, she experienced all sorts of things and dreamt she met an angel. And oh my gosh, she came out of the coma and instead of needing a heart transplant, she, they found out that she had a heart of a 20-year-old. How do you explain that? Um, now, you don't have to go into a coma and have a major physical transformation to experience that. It could be anything. Right. And but I can't probably, remember in that story or not, Howard, but because and Barb was a great guest, but what, did she have a particularly strong relationship with God prior? Prior to that? Not really, no. Yeah, no. I didn't think so. I did, so no. it's the interesting kind of thought about that is you maybe don't need to have you know, and some sort of rigorous practice um, to be acceptable to to God or for there to be an intervention. So I know some people will get stuck in the, well, I'm not good enough to have a relationship with God or I'm not, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to explore or have a healing or have, you know, or any of that stuff. I have no expectation of God because I've been a bad person in my life. (laughs) I hear that a lot from Mm -hmm. people, Um, you know, and so that, you know, moving out of that and understanding that we're we're all um, in the boat of making lots of mistakes in life. Yeah, well, <laughs> as, as Oscar Wilde said, every sinner has a future, every saint has a past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's certainly true, you know. I don't know that there's anyone walking around today that is perfect, and we need to recognize that. Um, and so every... Um, Sinner does have a future, and our future is on the other side of the commercial break (laughs) on Marcia Life. So when we come back, we'll continue to explore what is meant by spirituality and how how do you step outside of the bubble? What does that really mean and how does it happen? When we come back on Master Your Life. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Many people believe it's a man's place to stay strong no matter what. It's considered weak if you break. Men deal with all kinds of issues, insecurity, fears, and struggles, but there has been no place to turn to until now. Listen for Fundamentals with host Carl Bobo. We provide the support that men need and the guidance they seek. It's an open and honest forum featuring the topics you want to hear about with the answers that you seek. Listen live Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? 
What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson. I'm joined by Dr. Howard Rankin, my co-host. And this uh, before the break, we were just talking about like what is spirituality exactly, and and how do we get out of our own little bubbles so that we can experience and have and have this kind of open-hearted or open-sighted um, experience that would potentially change what it is that we want to have in our lives in terms of happiness. So, Howard, what do you think about? Just what do you think about spirituality on a more broad level? Well, you know, again, I think spirituality is the opposite of narcissism. Mm -hmm. Um, It it is the recognition there's something much greater than you. Um, It's the willingness and ability to look outside yourself. And looking outside yourself means one looking at your fellow man and other people. It might be looking at nature it might be a recognition even of of animals it might be a recognition of the cosmos and you know the magnificence of it it's it's the ability to lift yourself out of you know the bubble of your own somewhat limited existence you know that we create and when we wrap ourselves around in for security and comfort but it's incredibly limiting it's incredibly mm-hmm. limiting. And there's the trade, there's the payoff and the, the trade off that people have to make. Do I want to be comfortable in a very predictable, comfortable life? Or, or do I really want to experience the real highs of living, the joys of living, um, of this sort of connection? Yeah. And um, it's, a, it's a challenge that most people face. Yeah, and being in the bubble. Uh, I equate that to numbing out. <laughs> and when you're numbed out because you're not interacting with other people and you're not even really interacting with yourself on on a on a deep level, that numbing out, you can't selectively, you don't get to, sorry people, you don't get to selectively numb one emotion. <laughs> once things once one thing is numbed, all things are numb. So uh, you know, that's part of the like opening up or exploring, like are you actually feeling anything anymore? Are you aware that there's like these really cool moments in your day that have um, so much when you bring reverence to them. And Dr. Donna talked about this actually, yeah, and it's just like taking the moment to bring reverence to things. And my grandmother was this great example. I just loved her. She was a stay-at-home mom with five kids, and uh, she was a painter. Hmm. And what she painted almost exclusively was sunrises and sunsets. Hmm. 
And she had, uh, you know, in that time, there was not digital cameras. So we would spend, there was a lot of money spent on, you know, getting 12 pictures developed and you'd hope one of them was sort of decent. <laughs> she would, right, so right. she would paint right. off of these pictures. Uh, but I remember just thinking my grandmother had this absolute reverence for the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Mm. And that I took that into my life. And it's such an easy thing. It doesn't cost anything. Like not a mm. cent to wake up right. uh, or to go to bed or, you know, stay, wake up or stay up. So you can enjoy one of those things or the other. And it that when you feel it, like on a visceral level, when you see the sky and you go, wow, is that ever a beautiful pink Mm-hmm. blue like I don't know what your sunrises and sunsets are like where where you all are at that, oh, that are listening to the show but yeah some oh, people right, have right just mm-hmm. vistas and yeah we live in Alberta which has some of the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets in the world we've been compared to Greece um, so been very fortunate to have a lot of beautiful sky to look at but those taking those moments makes you feel something and yes. Yeah, and once you feel something, then you've moved out of the numb thing, and it's kind of that you awaken yourself to the idea of, ooh, that actually felt pretty good. I wonder if I could feel more things like that. (laughs) Well, it it feels different, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a different sort of connection, and your focus is outer-directed, not inner-directed, and it's Mm -hmm. not about doing anything. It's about experiencing, um, which I think, you know, a lot of people have trouble with, Um, and it's it's moving in that direction. I think that's what's so critical, Um, and certainly being in nature allows you if you're if you're focused enough and willing to look at it i mean if you're you're on your cell phone you can miss a sunset because the sun goes down pretty quickly uh, right and you you had a great example of because you just took a little bit of time off and mm. the, of something that you did or at a decision that you made in order to kind of not be um, present to the world of technology maybe that would be a great thing to share i think are you talking about um the thing I shared about being on the first night of my cruise, is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I went on a cruise. It's my wife and I, we, we really looked forward to dropping out for a few days. We needed to do that. And, and I've been working pretty hard. And so what I anticipated was, like, the first night I would just crash. You know, my brain mm-hmm. had been going on high speed, and I was just going to crash. And so the first night, actually, I was out on the balcony, and I was actually listening to sort of somewhat spiritual music, and, you know, I just descended into, or ascended, I should say, Mm. into a really peaceful and joyous state. The sound of the water, the moonlight on the water, the clouds, it was spectacular, and I hadn't connected in a way like that for a while. It's actually mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you take a vacation, I hope. But, right. you know, just 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 sitting there, I really felt a huge connection. And I really felt also to myself because now my brain wasn't directed on all these outer things and things I had to do. I was now calm and I was peaceful. And not only was I experiencing the beauty of what was right in front of me, but it was reflecting in my own soul and I was feeling it. Yes, and you made a really conscious choice about how you were going to handle your technology while you were on this vacation. Yeah, well, minimize it, you know, uh, yeah. as much as possible, you know. And, so uh, when you were sitting the first night on the deck of the, of the cruise ship, mm-hmm. did you have your phone with you? No. 
Right. No, I was just I was just listening. The only technology I was using was listening to this music, mm-hmm. um, which I knew would would be very relaxing and it's very mm-hmm. peaceful and meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that combination of listening to the music, not focused on anything else, um, from a from an auditory perspective, and then hearing the waves and and seeing and the the gentle movement through the water, uh, and and as I say, seeing the moonlight reflected on the water is just magnificent. Just yes. magnificent, yeah. um, and um, you know, I, I don't. You, you certainly don't have to go on a cruise to do that. Uh, no. You know, I'm surrounded. I'm fortunately, I live in a beautiful place. You know, mm-hmm. I, I certainly could go out to the beach and the ocean. Uh, actually, much much more regularly than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it was just so um, just so meaningful to me, and and so apparent that difference between you know the life that i'd been living in the few days before as we were racing to get everything done and then this total relaxation in nature and being able to step outside of yourself right and it can happen just like that fast like a snap and and so when i guess uh, when people are struggling with well how do i do that i think one of the huge things learnings in early and because my kids were so vocal about it is mom put your phone down Put your phone down. Put mm-hmm. your phone down. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that, so, you know, because we didn't have cell phones when they were babies, really, cell phones really weren't even around. But as, my, as the younger kids in the family were exposed to more and more uh, technology, I became less and less available as a parent, as a, mo- as a mother. And um, so some of the things that I've learned, and this is wisdom from children, so all of you who have children, I'm sure can relate, is that it's very, very hard and uh, to uh, have your brain in two places. And when, oh, we, yeah, it's when, we ask our, when we ask our kids, you know, to give us their attention and they're busy on their phones and we get so annoyed by that. Um, and it's just like, why can't you put that down and pay attention to what I'm saying? I can't believe you didn't hear me. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, if they've learned that from us, <laughs> a lot of us. And, right. and so this whole ability, so people go, well, how do you actually create space? Neurologically, um, your brain not o- only has this binary brain thing going on, but also neurologically, we wire ourselves to technology. So it's very, very difficult to put it away. And I, I, I just can walk through this little example with most people will go, well, I'm going to put my phone away at supper time. And then it's like they'll go to put it in a drawer and it's an internal battle to put it in the drawer. Mm. And it takes a while to put it in the drawer. And, and then to, to turn the ringer off is the next step. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because every, there's so many things in our life that are going, you know, binging and dinging and whistling and, uh, you know, whatever other noises we have going on on our phones. So the whole ability to disconnect so you can even hear something outside of what is going on in the world is kind of the first step to hearing yep. what your soul is saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for a lot of people, that's very difficult. Mm. You know, how do you tune out? Right. How and how do we, how do we allow go? other people too, to do that? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, so do we allow other people the grace and the space to not be answering our text messages every time? Mm. Because we become very demanding also yeah, with we this instant that, communication. Yeah, we, expect, we expect that email reply in, you know, in an hour, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. 
You know, I think so, that's true. And so, and that again is a downside of technology, the sort of instantaneous com- communication and the expectation of it means that, hey, we ex- we know that people expect us to respond, so we better get their message as quickly as possible so we can do that. Wrong. <laughs> But thankfully, we can all learn. <laughs> we can all. Well, thankfully, we can all learn to handle our handle our technology differently. And and so part of it is just setting the stage to why would that be important to me? Uh, and I think the it's like when you look at what's your actual genuinely happiness level in your life. Like genuinely, what's your emotional sort of state most of the time? Like, and not only how would you describe yourself, but how would other people describe you, which is sometimes uh, way more revealing, right? (laughs) Could be. Could be. Could be be more revealing about them than you, but but yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, I take that. Um, Yeah, who has... Who has the time? I think that's what most people would say. Well, you guys are great. I love doing that. But who's got the time to do that? You know, I've got, you know, two jobs. I got kids. I've got, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And and that's true. You do. You do. I'm Um, super curious about what the blah, 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 blah is, though, which because I love to get into that. Well, you you know, it's interesting. (laughs) I I co-wrote a book um, with a guy called Todd Packin. It was a very, very successful, um, very successful businessman, a family business, sold his family business for a ton of money, um, and, and, but was very depressed, hmm. very depressed. And so in, 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 in exploring that with him, you know, we, we looked at what happiness really is. Um, and there's, a, there's quite a lot of research and some very reputable research that shows that actually, you know, that talks about happy peasants and miserable millionaires, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, in the first world, we live this busy, 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 do, 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 do. Uh, in another less developed countries, they're not tied up. They may want to do that, but they're not, they're less tied up with that. They're really still caught in more simple times mm-hmm. when there isn't the demand, there isn't the distraction, there isn't a gazillion things to do. And, you know, all of those things that most people in the first world have. And, 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 and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, yes. I think it's a real danger of us, uh, sort of first worlders becoming more miserable, um, right. and really seeking what, People who are less, quotation mark, less fortunate or perhaps less materially fortunate than us, actually what their level of happiness is. Yeah, we've really moved. It's And we've talked about this too, the, the moving, understanding that a, a need is much, much different than a want. Absolutely right. And and so there's there's so many people chasing uh, you know once you once you move out of the need category and you have your basic needs met then you start chasing all these wants and there's there is as many choices as there are seconds in the day probably two or three choices per per each mm-hmm. second in the day so the ability you know to rein yourself in and to go like am, have i actually got my basic needs met and if if i thought about that what would they actually look like if i just focused on needs. And uh, I think, my big, again, I always default to the farming background because that's where I came from. But my parents were really, really good at going, what, is the, what does the farm need? 
Hmm. Not what do we want, but what does the Mm -hmm. farm need? And Mm -hmm. so it would be all these inputs into actually the farm, which of course would be the, the very first need, which is certainty. So taking care of the certainty of having a a nice yard, of having a nice home, of being able to pay the bills, of taking care of the livestock, of having all the crop rotations figured out, of having the right inputs into those things. And so their focus was like laser sharp and they were not um, like it. So when I asked people, when I said, what's the blah, blah, blah that people are doing, a lot of times people are watching a lot of TV. And spending a lot of time on their phones, and and so when I when I ask clients to really consider what they do with their time, and they start making a list of the things they actually do with their time, they are a lot of them horrified with mm-hmm. the amount of time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that they spend uh, on their computers. And oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, and, and and part of that is people are not very good at understanding sort of cumulative and compound numbers. So they might say, well, you know, only spend, you know. Maybe an hour and a half a day on my computer, just kind of goofing around. Yeah, well, that's you know, ten hours a week. Uh, you know, that's five hundred and twenty hours a year you spend doing that. Could you be doing something else? No, because I'm too busy. I am too busy. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You know, these yes. things are made to grab our attention, and we really have to make a very, very concerted effort to break away from them and, and as we said at the beginning, step outside the bubble. And, and look, we recognize it is not easy. It's a challenge for many people, probably for most of us. Um, but I think the reward of doing it is is great because when you step outside of yourself, you begin to find a universe uh, that has got potentially a lot of joy and, and peace in it. So when we come back uh, for our third segment on this episode of Master Your Life, we'll do what we often do in the third segment and talk about maybe some practical things that people can do to step outside their bubble. So we'll see you on the other side. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. There are many challenges associated with recovery from any issue. By building a support system of friends, family members, and professionals, you can overcome these challenges. Tune in to Rise Radio with host Randy Havison. On this program, we'll bring topics to the forefront like addiction, self-esteem, leadership, relationship building, and other topics to empower you and your support system to achieve a greater level of personal growth. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Larry Sternberg, former president of Talent Plus, explores one of his favorite topics, 
Mentoring. Studying the talents of others allowed him to see that mentoring relationships are some of the most motivating, empowering, and inspiring relationships we can ever experience. Join Larry Sternberg for dynamic conversation with intriguing politicians, business leaders, artists, authors, sports figures, and academicians across the globe. The series airs on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mentoring every Thursday morning with Larry Sternberg. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Leah Mattinson, joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. And before the break, we were talking about how to step outside our bubble. So I'm going to throw it right to you, Howard. What are some of the practical ways that we can do this? Well, again, if we think about uh, how... Easily, the brain is distracted and engaged. Um, we we need to distance ourselves as much as possible from all the distractions in our life. Uh, and obviously, technology is a is a great example. Uh, it, it, it's even more compelling today because it's around us, and there are many versions of it. But really, from even fifty years ago, wasn't there wasn't there a challenge um, even with TVs? Don't you have a story about TVs? Oh, yes, the the biggest battle in our family. So I have um, I raised six kids. So there was there was we have You're lots about of distraction. talk about distraction. Exactly. So we had two TVs, uh, and so, so at some point we went crazy enough to get some of the older kids' TVs for their bedrooms, which was you know we thought it was a solution, um, mm-hmm. so that we would get some time to ourselves. But everyone seemed to want to congregate in the living room. And the biggest battles in our home were always over that remote control. Mm, and, yep. and so the only one that was not involved in that battle was me. Because I really grew up not watching much TV and couldn't care less about that. But what I did have to deal with was all the fighting. It was just unbelievable. So, so. <laughs> I tried every strategy, you know, so it's like the punishment strategies and the reward strategies and the whatever, the million strategies. And finally, the strategy was the TV got shut off for a year. Oh, and <laughs> what happened? People well, everyone all of a sudden had lots and lots of time to be outside and, you know, mm-hmm. playing board games and uh, learning how to, to because uh, well, we, we hunt and things like that, you know, but just actually doing physical activity things and learning more stuff. And, and the fighting disappeared. Nobody was looking for the remote that got lost. You know, that constant battle. Who lost the remote? <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So yep. all of that was completely just gone in one phone call to the cable company. Hello. <laughs> you can just shut me off. And then, of course, they're making threats. Well, you know, if you get shut off, you're going to have to pay, a, you know, the, yeah, right, the right. reinstallation fee. I'm going, yeah, probably cheaper than the therapy that's going to be required <laughs> if we don't shut it off. <laughs> It was one of the best decisions I ever made as a parent. <laughs> what was that? No, no. The the amount of TV that people watch and kids watch, and then we get onto the video game thing. It's it's scary to be honest, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. again, 
when you're watching TV, what is your brain doing? It's pretty passive. It's just, you know, receiving these images and, and it's really not doing a whole lot. And it's not just that that isn't terribly good for you. It's you're wasting time where you could be really improving your brain function and sharpening it. Yeah, and so and that's the problem. Yes, and people who are listening to this show, because it is called Master Your Life, I think people who are interested in life mastery are the people who are listening to this show. And if you interview or you know listen to any interviews of anyone who actually has really knocked it out of the park in their life, they have great habits and routines around technology. Like they use technology, but they only use it you know so much. The mor- their morning routine, almost all of them includes no technology. They have a decent breakfast. Some of them don't eat any breakfast. They, they meditate and they do something physical. They journal, they write, that you know, so they connect with other people in the community long before the technology is ever turned on and they avoid a lot of stuff that just fills their brains with um, things that aren't leading down the path of mastery, I guess right. is the best way to put it. Yes. Yeah, there's no question, no question about that. So, so, Disconnecting from the distractions in your life, and because technology is the biggest one of those, I think it's important. So what else would you say you need to do to, to step outside the bubble and, and reach a different level spiritually? Well, I think meditation is a really uh, great tool. And meditation doesn't have to be difficult. It can be a 10-minute or a 5-minute exercise. And it's really just meditation is about being reflective. If you want to get into a deeper practice, then, you know, find a deeper practice to um, play with or figure out. And there's lot, there's lots of great tools now. Or I have had clients in the past say, I can't meditate because I can't shut my mind off. Uh, there's uh, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's entrainment. It's like people take pride in that, right? I can't turn my mind off. I can't. Yeah. And, uh, and then you yes, go, that's not something to be proud of. Yes, yeah, exactly, correct. Uh, and there's that whole learning curve, too, of going. The things that we've learned to be proud of, uh, you know, when you really take a look at them, we may, that maybe is, you know, not in great alignment with what really leads to happiness in life. Um, and, and I would stress the meditation. I do think, you know, there are many forms of it, but in its simplest form, it is really switching out of processing mode into experiencing mode is, is how I see that. And, and, and really one of the simplest things you can do, simply close your eyes and listen to all the different sounds you can hear. But instead of trying to identify them and remember them and interpret them, you just experience them. Mm-hmm. It's a way of just switching off processing and going to experiencing. That's what we're talking about. And so many people have difficulty doing that. Right. I had this great, um, uh, and it was just such a simple example, but I got it. So it might help some people who are listening to the show. And the person who was uh, teaching this class just said, imagine that you're like in a boat, just whatever kind of little boat, just could be a canoe, no oars, like there's nothing, there's nothing for you to hold on to, but it's a very, it's a stable boat. And you're in this boat on a beautiful lake and there's all of these things that are in your mind are actually outside of you, though. So they're floating past you, right. but they don't actually ever come near you, and they don't ever get in your boat with you. So mm-hmm. you can see them, and you can yep. see them go by, but it's your job to keep your hands in the boat and right. just to experience just, being yeah, in the boat. <laughs> and just to watch those thoughts just float by and out yeah. of sight, you know? Yeah. yeah, there's variations on that, like sitting on a riverbank and watching, mm-hmm. you know, 
thoughts float by just watching them disappear as a way. And I do think that that's a very valuable, very Mm -hmm. valuable practice. I think you are training your mind, you're training your brain, you know, not to be in constant processing. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, in constant processing, you're in the the brain state that we were talking about in the the last show and, and somewhat earlier in this one, where it's just going reflexly, automatically, process, 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 focus, focus, think, think, judge, judge, value, value, you know, all assumption, assumption, all that stuff, and you're never stopping. I mean, yes, you're, you're react, like a, react. Yeah, you're a hamster on a wheel. Yes, and you're not, and very unable to hear. You, you're in that binary brain. You're completely unable to tap into anything at the soul level, and really, that moving out of uh, processing everything helps you to listen to the truth that is actually mm-hmm. in your physiology. And mm-hmm. and that might seem like a whole foreign subject but <laughs> to, to a lot of people, but it is like if you can get quiet within yourself and not be attaching a you know bunch of stories and just listen to what is it your actually like internal body is telling you. Like, do you feel good, for example? Does my body feel good? Oh, yeah, actually, my body feels pretty good or and, you know, or going or doesn't it feel good? Like where doesn't it feel good? And going like, why would that? Why does that not feel good? And I know I have clients who literally have not felt their body for years and years and years. They've been so numbed out. So then all of a sudden they'll go, oh, yeah, like I didn't even notice that I had this, you know, whatever going on. And then and then they bring some awareness to it and they can do something about fixing some of that stuff. And also at a spiritual or a soul level, you you hear the truth of your conscience. And your conscience tells you, wow, you're doing a great job as a mom, or you're doing a great job as a dad, or you're, you know, you're doing a great job as a human being. But a really fully functioning conscience also tells you where you've got places in your life that you're disconnected from happiness. Mm-hmm. And when you can when you can hear that when you that, yes when you that's right when you quiet down that becomes mm-hmm. obvious I think to you mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why people don't want to quiet down because they don't like the discomfort of, of, of potentially facing that yes and also because we tell ourselves a whole bunch of stories also about how difficult that's going to be and how long it's going to take and and all of that and and spiritual timing is not of. Uh, it's not our timing and that the healing of uh, Barb Morello is a great example of, you know, just humans have this idea that things need to take, uh, you know, X amount of days or X amount of hours or X amount of years and that we buy into that limited thinking uh, when in fact, if something that is a higher power decided to fix something in this instant, it would be fixed mm-hmm. and there wouldn't be a single thing you could do to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. You'd be you'd be helpless to stop it. Right? But what a cool thought that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. No, it really is. So, yeah. so, so we have you know managing the distractions, getting centered, and learning to get out of processing into experiencing, uh, which is meditation. We've certainly talked about connecting in nature and connecting and and trying to get your head out of technology and into the awe that is around you and really making an effort to connect and experience with that, right? Yes. Um, what, what what other things do you think? Uh, I could think of some other things, but what do you think in terms yeah. of breaking out of your bubble and being alive? Yeah. I think um, one of the most important things is taking some time just to write down what your thoughts are about God. And so 
for some people, they've got a big, long story about, you know, God is, you know, a difficult trying, whatever it is that you've learned as you've grown up. And, and grown up might be that you're 70. And <laughs> it doesn't really matter your age. But it's going, like, what do I actually believe about God? And how does that belief, is that belief um, serve me in my life? Or does it keep me disconnected from God in, in the higher power sense of things, not the religious sense of things. Right. And then, so just some alternative thoughts for people. What if you actually thought that God had a really great sense of humor? How would that change how you interact with God? How, what if God actually was playful? What, you know, what if God was fun? Mm-hmm. What if God was actually fun? And and there's this great story that uh, Carolyn Mace tells, and it's about that. And I, I think it maybe is somebody else's quote, but it's just uh, that w- human beings that are not spiritually um, attuned think that life is difficult and God, you know, that every day is a challenge. Whereas nuns and monks will walk out of their door in the morning and they see this big chess game that God has set up and they just laugh as Mm -hmm. he moves the pieces around Mm -hmm. because that's what's actually exciting and fun is just waiting for the next piece to be moved because you don't know how you're going to be able to fit into that, but you know you're going to be able to. And so there's this huge sense of connection and comfort from that. Yeah, and and we were talking about this in the last episode episode too, that, you know, the driver for most human thinking is at the need for control. Mm. And, and what that example of uh, uh, monks and nuns is, they don't, they don't expect control. They know they don't have it. But, um, you know, with their attitude about what God is and does, they welcome that rather than be terrified of it and pretend it doesn't exist. Yes. Which is just such a cool thought. It's it like really a, is. It's a great... Yeah, it's, really freeing. it's quite freeing. It, it, it's incredibly freeing. But, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of people, it's difficult to get there. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, it is because you yes, have to give is. up a lot and you have to have a lot of faith. Mm-hmm. You really have to have a lot of faith to get there. But when you can get there, it is incredibly liberating because you don't have to create all these stories. You don't have to do all the things that we were talking about in terms of the binary brain and assumptions and all of that. You don't have to do that anymore. Um, which, as I say, initially is a scary thought, but ultimately I think is very liberating. Right, and as you've said a million times in the I think, therefore I am wrong, anytime you have a thought that's scary, realize, maybe not anytime, but a lot of the times, your scary thought probably is wrong. <laughs> well, it's certainly not completely accurate, that's for sure. At best, right. it's got a, at best, it's got some accuracy to it, you know, um, unless you're being chased, you know, by a bear, but... but for the most right. time, no, it isn't. And I think the other thing, but just before we we close, and I think the other thing that's important is service. You know, doing things for other people. Yes. You know, that'll get you outside yourself, hopefully, in no time at all. Yes, and I I think just having really deep appreciation for somebody else is being in service to them. And mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who are parents or grandparents who have just got a minute to actually like legitimately hug your children or grandchildren, that is a moment of reverence when there's nothing that interferes with that and you're so connected and that is service, like that is service to others when you just genuinely adore them because they exist. Right. And so I guess what we're talking about is opening not just your mind but opening your heart Uh, and that when you do that, um, some incredible things happen. 
and I think that's that's really the essence of what we're saying. You know, get out, get outside your bubble. Stop trying to control everything because you can't. Stop living narcissistically. Recognize you're a small part, but an important part of something that's huge and amazing, and recognize that. Yeah, and enjoy your life. It's not just about mastering your life. A lot of it is about um, letting go of a of a whole bunch of preconceived notions about how you're going to perform every day, and and so that whole how do you, how do I just exist and be happy in this space, and how do I contribute? Which is definitely in terms of service. What we were talking about, Howard. Yeah, absolutely. So um, hopefully this has given our listeners some useful, uh, at least food for thought, if not. Uh, tools for action. And interestingly, um, our next guest for our next show is, is Dr. Wayne Johnson, uh, who integrates many of these ideas in, in, in maybe slightly a different form, but integrates many of them into his medical practice, particularly in helping young people and youth um, who are struggling with anxiety and depression. So we, we, we will continue this theme, Leah, at least uh, for the next show, and I'm sure for many more, uh, on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.